Hello, this is UCL Uncovering Politics, and this week we're looking at ethnic voting in Africa. What is it? What are its effects? And how are increasing rates of intermarriage changing it? Hello, my name is Alan Rennick, and welcome to UCL Uncovering Politics, the podcast of the School of Public Policy and Department of Political Science at University College London. Ethnic voting means voting on the basis of ethnic identity rather than, say, policy preferences or how well or badly you think the incumbents have governed. Ethnic and other forms of communal voting are found in many parts of the world. Think, for example, of different voting patterns between Protestants and Catholics in Northern Ireland. But ethnic voting is often thought particularly to be a feature of politics in many African countries. And such voting is also often seen as rather problematic for healthy democracy because it can shield those in power from accountability if they govern poorly. Well, a new study published last year sheds fresh light on ethnic voting in Africa. It focuses particularly on the fact that increasingly many marriages in many African countries now cross ethnic lines, and it explores the impact of such marriages on voting. One of its authors is Dr. Adam Harris, Associate Professor in Development Politics in the UCL Department of Political Science and an expert on the politics of sub-Saharan Africa. And I'm delighted to say that Adam joins me now. Adam, welcome back to UCL Uncovering Politics. You've been with us before, of course, and it's great to see you again. Let's uh, let's start with some background. Uh, firstly, I guess, are, are you happy with the definition of ethnic voting that I've just given? And how important is it in African countries? Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks for having me. And yeah, no, I think your definition is is perfectly accurate. I guess the only other thing to add is that most of the time this motivation or we expect this motivation of voting based on ethnic identity is grounded in the expectation that those from my own ethnic group will favor people from their ethnic group, which is me and my group. Whether that's kind of tangible goods or kind of psychological feelings of well-being that I've got someone from my group in a high place. But yeah, and, and in terms of importance in Sub-Saharan Africa, I mean, it is and it isn't, and it varies, which is maybe a non-answer. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the one thing that I do want to note at the outset is that I think oftentimes it can be overstated. Now, this is something that I've studied in uh, a lot of, and this this paper we're talking about now, another one, and a, a book coming out later this year, all kind of investigate this, which um, shows that I think it's important, right? But I think sometimes we think that, that all of African politics boils down to ethnic politics. And I think there's, there's more nuance here, right? So there's plenty of studies, some of my own included, that find that there is a significant positive effect, that people prefer... Um, they vote on ethnicity and they prefer people or candidates who are from their own group. But oftentimes, well, and we find this in uh, country-specific studies, cross-national samples, but the effect size is often quite small. It often only in, uh, has a 5 to 10 percentage point effect um, across a number of studies. Um, that means there are 5 to 10 percentage points more likely to vote for a co-ethnic. Whereas if we compare that to partisanship across similar studies, in Sub-Saharan Africa, partisanship kind of tends to have an effect on the range of 30 to 50 percentage points, um, which is a whole order of magnitude larger, with the caveat that sometimes it's hard to disentangle partisan and ethnic identities um, and how they might influence uh, vote choice. So I think it matters, but recent research suggests that it's conditional or qualified, right? It only matters for some people in some instances, 
for example, local ethnic geography, a kind of seminal study from 2013 from uh, Nathan Anichino finds that if I live in an area where I'm a minority ethnic group, I vote with the local majority. I'm in hopes that that group's co-ethnic will favor our our area and I'll benefit in some way from that. So um, also whether or not I have a co-ethnic in the race determines if I can vote based on ethnicity mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So there's a lot to, to kind of unpack. And you said right at the start there that it, it varies. And then so I was intrigued to understand how it varies. Um, I mean, is there you've mentioned some kinds of variation there. Is there also variation from country to country, from time to time, that, that kind of thing? It's kind of macro level variation, I guess. Yeah, d- definitely. I mean, places like Kenya, Ghana, South Africa tend to be kind of quintessential cases where ethnicity tends to matter a lot. And we're seeing as you know, Ghana's democracy kind of uh, continues to solidify and consolidate, we might see that kind of falling by the wayside. But the two main political parties there do kind of have an ethnic identity or an ethnic association um, that might be hard to shed. But then places like Uganda, Malawi, there's kind of moderate ethnic, ethnic politics kind of coming into play. And then other places, you know, Botswana, uh, Tanzania, for example, where ethnicity is kind of non-existent in politics or kind of even in society to a large extent. Yeah. So it definitely varies across context. Across time, that's really interesting. And I'm not aware of any studies that actually look at this across time. And I would uh, not want to venture a guess, but the hope is that it kind of diminishes across time. And I guess what we're going to talk about with this study suggests that demographic change might be something that's going to minimize uh, the role of ethnicity over time. Yeah. And so it's interesting you say that the hope is that it diminishes over time. And I guess that raises the question of whether ethnic voting is always bad for democracy, as I was suggesting at the start, or or is that also a bit of an oversimplification? Yeah. Again, I guess I'll give the non-answer of it is and it isn't. I think, yes, on balance, it is bad, especially if we think about what is appropriate or effective democratic accountability, right? We want to vote the rascals out. We want to get those who perform best, who align with our policies, uh, who are in our own self-interest, right? Um, Whereas if we're only voting on ethnic identity, that might be in my self-interest to have someone from my group in power, but it might, as many studies have found, lead me to overlook the, or excuse poor performance of co-ethnics and not only Sub-Saharan Africa, India, for example, also find that I'm less likely to punish, not only less likely to punish co-ethnics, but I'm going to be more harsh in punishing non-co-ethnics, those who are not from my group in politics, um, because the, the bars are just different, right? I mean, in a lot of times, but in a lot of ways, that's also how par- uh, partisanship works. If we think about here in the UK, Tory and Labour, if I'm a supporter of Labour, I'm going to be harsher on Tory candidates, maybe just as a baseline, right? So there's this motivated reasoning that can be partisan-based and ethnic-based, but sometimes we think that ethnic-based is less sophisticated or less um, allowed, um, less effective, but either way, we have these different types of identities that are shaping how we perceive uh, different candidates. There is some evidence that ethnic voting might not necessarily undermine democratic accountability. Just two examples. One is the Democratic Alliance in South Africa, which is the main opposition party. Um, It attracts a lot of, uh, quote-unquote, colored voters. That's that's an offensive term outside of South Africa, but the colored community, uh, it's a fine term in South Africa. It's those who 
are largely of mixed uh, race heritage. Um, with the colored community tends to support the DA in large part, or at least in part, because the DA is able to attract the best colored candidates. Um, I've done some interviews with leadership in the Democratic Alliance, as well as the ruling African National Congress, and they both made that same point that the DA has an ability to attract better colored candidates, higher qualified, less corrupt, however you want to characterize it. Um, and that in turn then attracts more colored voters. But it could also be endogenous, right? There's already more DA support. And so there's more there's a from the colored community. So there's a larger pool of colored candidates to then include. Um, but there's something to think about there. And then, as I mentioned earlier, there's also psychological benefits or expressive voting, right? There's some benefits to be gained from descriptive representation. Having someone mm -hmm. from your group in a position of power could be a good in, of, in and of itself. And if that's what you as a voter want, then who's to say that that's not um, democracy functioning for you? I mean, I guess fundamentally, democracy requires choice. And if, you're, if the party system and the kind of voting habits operate in a way that people don't really have choice, then whether that's because they are limited by ethnic lines or by party, very strong party loyalties or by any kind of th uh, thing, a lack of choice in democracy is, is a problem for democracy. So it's, I guess what, what you're saying is, is not kind of a unique problem for ethnic voting as such. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So um, this study that we're focusing on here, uh, focuses on the impact of intermarriage on ethnic voting. Can you just explain why you thought that this needed investigation? Yeah, no, I, again, excellent question. I, so myself and co-authors were kind of looking at, we all kind of came to this question independently, but as we were discussing it, we, we were looking at kind of what ethnic politics and theories of ethnic politics have looked like in kind of the past 50 years where this has been something that's been studied um, to, a, to a significant extent. And unfortunately, our theories of ethnic politics today are still rooted in the demographics of 50 years ago, where we had more isolated ethnic groups. Ethnic groups in, in Sub-Saharan Africa tend to be geographically concentrated and still are to, to a large extent, especially in rural areas. But we had more isolation geographically of ethnic groups, lower urbanization. We're seeing massive rates of urbanization across the continent. And this is bringing people from disparate areas of countries into kind of uh, capital and other larger cities and causing people to mix with others that they haven't before. But our theories are coming from a, from a time when there was much less demographic mixing. Um, and so we wanted to understand how demographics have changed. And if they have changed substantially, does this have implications for what we think about ethnicity? Um, so what we did, what we have found um, using uh, DHS data, and we can talk more about that um, uh, as we go, if that's of interest. Even since 1990, uh, we've got data for 23 countries. We see that there's been a drastic increase in at least intermarriage, which is one uh, way to measure ethnic mix mixing uh, socially. And we see that across the, in the most recent surveys for, each, for this sample of countries, uh, the median rate is 20% intermarriage. Um, with Gabon having the highest at 50% and the DRC among the lowest with 8%. And our own survey data suggests that moving beyond intermarriage, that in Malawi, 20% of our national representative sample are multi-ethnic, meaning they have parents who are from different ethnic groups. And uh, the other country we look at is Kenya, 
with our own data, and that's a much lower at 8%. But if we think of Malawi, for example, with 20% being a multi-ethnic heritage, do our theories that assume people have one ethnic identity that doesn't change across time, do we think that that is a good way to think about their politics, if ethnicity matters for them at all, right? And I think what's important here is this also brings up the question of uh, what is ethnic identity? And this is another thing that's a that's a holdover from you know 50 years ago, where ethnicity was perceived and thought of as primordial and immutable. That it was you're born with an ethnic identity, um, it can't change. You're kind of beholden to this, and this is your community. But again, as time has gone on, there's been a lot of uh, studies of this, and both across sociology, anthropology, political science, the general agreement is that ethnic ethnic identities are constructed. Yes, there's an element of descent that you know ethnic identities are passed from parent to child, but that doesn't mean that I'm stuck with this ethnic identity or that it doesn't change across time or space or context. I might think of myself as a member of group X when I am among members of group X, but otherwise I might think of myself in other terms. And so what we thought of looking at those that mixed ethnic heritage does is it brings to the forefront this idea of the construction of ethnic identity. If I have to kind of grapple with my ethnic identity, um, what does this mean for how ethnic, how ethnicity in, impacts and influences my my vote choice? And so, but then also what uh, what has happened is a lot of political science has says that ethnic, ethnic identities are constructed and they're and they can be changed maybe slowly maybe quickly, but then we still measure ethnic ethnicity as primordial as you know. You said you're a member of Group X on a survey. We define you as that and move on with our lives, right? But it's much more complex than that. And so I think what we are trying to do is not only challenge how we think about ethnic politics, but how we think about ethnicity. And this is a good kind of population to think about where they have to kind of explicitly grapple with what their identity means for them, whereas a lot of us that might... How you know I'm white. Both my parents are white, and so my identity is just kind of given. I don't have to think about what side of which side or which identity, which part of myself is more prominent and where I fit, um, or do I fit everywhere? Do I fit nowhere? Uh, things like this. Because again, the I mean, we can think about prominent examples. You know, if uh, Barack Obama and Trevor Noah, two kind of prominent uh, multi-ethnic individuals who in their autobiographies go to a great extent kind of discussing the way in which they navigate their identity, which I think we all do this, but for many of us, this is more implicit and unconscious. But for these individuals, it becomes more explicit and then we can understand the process of how identities are constructed, which can hopefully inform better theories of politics in the end. Mm. Okay, so the basic question we have here is, do people with multi-ethnic backgrounds, people who are the product of intermarriage for people from different ethnic backgrounds do they vote differently essentially from people who have a more straightforward uh, ethnic background how do you go about trying to answer it to first understand demographic change when we sought out to do this we had no sense of how large this population was or if we think it might matter so we use demographic and health surveys that are conducted Periodically, not annually, um, but every couple of years across a number of countries throughout the globe, conducted by USAID. And these surveys focus on health outcomes, but what's what they do measure is oftentimes they interview 
a husband and, and his or her wife, or you know, the two adults in a household, and they get uh, data on the ethnicity of your partner. Um, and so this was our way, and, and others did it at the same time as us. There's some other references that maybe we can put on uh, the, the post for this. And they kind of used the same data to investigate um, interethnic marriage. And so this allowed us, we couldn't measure kind of mixed ethnicity because people don't measure individuals' ethnic heritage in surveys, but this gave us kind of a way to think about interethnic mixing in kind of intimate social ways um, to think about how demographics are changing. And so that's how we did the first part. Um, and as we investigated that, as I mentioned before, we found that these it varies, but this population is growing across these 23 countries. Um, and it can be a quite substantial portion of the population, uh, one in every five, for example. And then what we did is we, with the four of us with partners in at the Governance and Local Development Program in Sweden, the University of Gothenburg, we conducted a survey in Kenya and Malawi. Um, and we asked people not only for their ethnic identities, but for their parents' ethnic identities. Now, there's lots of ways that we can think about multi-ethnic heritage. I mean, if we go back far enough, all of us are multi-ethnic. Um, uh, but we wanted to look at following some research that's been done in the U.S. of what people of others have termed, at least Lauren Davenport has termed, immediate mixed heritage. So we look at parents. And we've sent, we've gone back and done another survey in Malawi looking at, we also get data on grandparents to kind of go another generation back. Um, but then we, that's how we define uh, multi-ethnic versus mono-ethnic. And then this gives us a way to compare these two groups to see who is more likely to be influenced by ethnicity, at least by the ethnicity they identify with on a survey. Um, we give people the chance to identify with multiple ethnic groups, but even among those who are multi-ethnic, um, in our survey, very few, something like 3% actually explicitly identify with more than one group. And so we take the, the group you do identify with primarily as your quote-unquote primary ethnic group. And there's debate on if that's the right approach, but then we use that to see those who are multi-ethnic but identify with group X, are they more or less likely to vote for a candidate from group X as those who are mono-ethnic from group X? Great. And the key question, what did you find? Right. So um, we, we found exactly what we were kind of anticipating is that those who are of multi-ethnic heritage are in both Malawi and Kenya are significantly less likely to vote for their co-ethnic candidate in the race. And surprisingly consistent across the two very different contexts, the, the effect sizes are very comparable at kind of eight percentage points. Um, so the difference between these two groups is larger than kind of the average overall effect of ethnicity on politics, or at least comparable, depending on the study and the context. We don't need to get into the details, but we've done a lot of kind of checks. And this is, in all honesty, probably one of the most robust findings I've found across any study that I've conducted, um, which is quite encouraging that there is something going on here. Um, and then unpacking exactly why is a whole other kind of a yeah. So I, so so I said the key question is what do you find? But actually, in many ways, the key question is why. So you find that there is this this relationship. So people from intermarriages are less likely to vote for their ethnic party, if you like. 
But yeah, why? That's really important because there, there are various possible explanations mm. here. And some of them would suggest that ethnic voting is declining. Some of them would suggest that maybe actually ethnic voting is still there. It's just taking a bit of a different form. Exactly. So and this is where we, we tried to start kind of exploring these possibilities. Unfortunately, our data in the current paper from last year doesn't allow us to kind of rigorously look at this. We have, again, our data from Malawi that we gathered last year for this upcoming project does a bit better job of this, although we're still kind of uh, sifting through that. But we propose a number of different explanations, and we find at least some support for all, suggesting that there's it's a very complex process, and mm-hmm. there's likely key variation across individuals, but understanding who those individuals are that operate in these different ways with respect to their ethnicity, um, their multi-ethnic heritage, is super fascinating and something that we're going to continue to explore. But what we think now is that still, so it is possible that even though those of multi-ethnic heritage don't vote for the group or are less likely to vote for the group that they identify with on a survey, but there's some evidence that they're just voting with their other ethnic group. So they're still voting based on ethnicity, just in a different way, as you said. And that's interesting because then the question is, why do you identify with that group on a survey if that's not the primary group in politics? Again, there's a whole, then this opens up the question of what are our surveys measure, survey measures actually measuring? And how do we most effectively measure the identity that is most consequential for politics? Or is that just stacking the deck in favor of what we want to find if we're trying to only measure the quote unquote politically relevant ethnic identities, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a bit complex, but you can think about, you know, socially or on a survey, if you ask me, who am I? I think of myself as this way. But when I enter the ballot box, there might be different uh, interests, different benefits, costs that I'm weighing that make me uh, vote in a, in a certain other way, which is, again, super interesting to try and think through. And if yeah. I understood correctly, you were suggesting there are kind of two versions of that. So what one version of that is where people have a kind of stable political identity and they vote for the the party that is associated with the ethnic group that they identify with politically. Um, and then another version is that people have a, you describe a repertoire of different ethnic identities and they have that, that crucial thing that we were talking about earlier, choice. So that they might go for um, one of the ethnic par- parties or, or another one, depending perhaps on other factors, but they're going to choose one of them. Uh, but but yeah. unlike other voters, they have a choice of different parties that they can go for. Yeah, which is super interesting because I can kind of leverage certain interests in certain ways, right? Maybe in local politics, my mother's ethnic group is dominant and the majority, so I vote along that way. But nationally, it might be my father's, right? And so we can also think about the different interests across different electoral levels. And we can think about how the ways in which you, just kind of your daily social life, how you're treated and the way that that constructs a certain sense of self. We explored in kind of some, in some focus groups, um, you know, with those of mixed ethnic heritage, um, do you feel like you belong everywhere, right? So I have these two groups. I kind of am a part of so many groups. I kind of belong everywhere. Or do you belong nowhere? Because I'm not, fully this group or fully that group so i'm always a little bit other and so but again that seems to be happening to different degrees to different people and so i'm trying to understand the context in which people are able to kind of construct an inclusive mixed identity or an exclusive is partially dependent on themselves and how they see themselves but also how those around them perceive them and treat them but also the again local ethnic demography if i'm i might be 
in ex- for example, in Malawi, I might be uh, Chewa in Lomwe, um, uh, mother Chewa, Lomwe father, but I might live in a Chewa area that, you know, 85% of the community is Chewa. And so I, I'm just Chewa and that's, there's no question there, right? Um, but it might become more complex and more diverse areas. Again, urban areas might be quite different. Yes, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, that you do some focus groups as well as the survey work. And I guess as someone who mostly does qualitative research, I kind of uh, lit up with excitement when I saw focus groups. Um, And so that kind of raises the question of, well, how do you explore this further? So you've got this finding that um, people from multi-ethnic backgrounds do vote differently from others. And you've got some bits of evidence suggesting that Part of that may be declining salience of ethnicity in how people vote, but there are other factors at play as well. So it's not just that. So there are various different things going on. And basically, you have this conclusion that, hey, folks, there's there's way more interesting stuff here than we had previously imagined. We've been looking at this in a very simple, simple way, but actually, whoa, there's lots of exciting stuff for us to get our teeth into as, as researchers. So what's coming next? What's what, what further work are you doing in order to try to delve into this further? Yeah, so the, the, the survey that we've just got the data back a couple months ago from, we have a whole battery on understanding ethnic identity construction, both for mono and multi-ethnic individuals. And just we have a whole slew of questions that kind of ask both your kind of migration history, where you've lived, what the local majority ethnic group is when you were growing up, the kind of socialization you went under there, where you live now, kind of contextual variables, and a whole slew of questions of, you know, do you feel more this group or that group in what context um, and things like that. So we do have a bunch more kind of quantitative survey data, but the hope is that once we kind of understand where most of the action is, and maybe we'll continue to find that there's action everywhere, um, because I think that will help us focus and narrow to think more about doing some in-depth interview with interviews with people to try and understand in a more qualitative way how people weigh these different interests and different kind of background factors. In fact, one of my co-authors, Boniface Dulani, his wife is from another ethnic group, and which is one reason why this uh, sparked his interest here. Um, among other things. And so thinking about, you know, talking to him, but also talking to his kids, exactly. And like thinking about how these identities are kind of constructed uh, would be super interesting to, to try and understand. Again, once we kind of narrow ourselves, because right now we're kind of got a, a shotgun approach to trying to see what is going on um, uh, and what angles to, to think through. Well, that's great, Adam. Thank you so much. I mean, it's so fascinating to see this kind of research where you kind of you, you, you scratch a little bit the surface of what has been something that's yeah. been taken as very simple and suddenly you discover, whoa, there's all this stuff out there. Mm. And there's a whole panoply of different bits of research that you can be pursuing over the coming years. So we shall follow and watch with great interest and have <laughs> you back on the podcast in order to hear more about how this is going. So um, thank you, Adam. Really fascinating discussion this morning. Um, and the article that we've been talking about is called Electoral Preferences Among multi-ethnic voters in Africa. As Adam mentioned, he's got several co-authors on this um, article. So it's by Boniface Dulani, Adam S. Harris, Jeremy Horowitz, and Happy Kayuni. And it's published last year in the journal Comparative Political Studies. We'll put the details of that in the show notes for the episode. Next week, we're looking at the political philosophy of taking offence. Ought we sometimes to take offence? If so, when and within what limits? As ever, to make sure you don't miss out on that and other future episodes of UCL Uncovering Politics, all you need to do is subscribe. You can do so on Apple, Spotify or whatever podcast provider you use. 
I'm Alan Rennick. Our producer is Abby Turner. Our theme music is written and performed by John Mann. This has been UCL Uncovering Politics. Thank you for listening.